This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a new theme Thursday, and that means my man Patrick, the idealionaire, he takes songs, selections that are supposed to provide clues and hints to Harge and I as to what the new theme of the day is. Uh, And I think we got it with a little help from female listener number one who wants me to uh, watch my blasphemous mouth about talking down about Britney Spears. And Charlie, <laughs> my man CB's a Britney Spears fan too, and he says, what did Britney Spears do to Rod? Damn, he's going hard on her. I did that. And, and he tweeted out too, leave Britney alone. I swear, I'm actually a Britney Spears fan <laughs> from pro, back in the day. You Britney? I, I admired her back in the day more than I do today, but that was more about my physical attraction to young Britney as opposed to aging, mature mm-hmm. Britney that she is now. But I'm not hating on Britney. I just never listened to her music. I was always attracted to the sexual icon that was Britney Spears. Now, like, what do I, like, she's not a sex, she's not a sex symbol anymore, so that's why I don't really keep up with Britney anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I just, I just know I have friends that still like her stuff and that, it's all, I, I know it exists, like oh, how no. I know other things exist. I know now, too. I didn't know people were so upset about, uh, yeah, I like Ike. Oops, Rod did it again. Thank you there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Appreciate it. I, I like Ike. Apparently, a lot more Britney Spears fans out there than I thought. I wasn't mean to hate on Britney. The new theme of the day is uh, National Kissing Day. International Kissing International day. Kissing Day. That's different than National Kissing Day because it's about the world kissing. Yeah, no, it's because you can get a kiss from a foreign broad. Uh, well, that's, uh-huh. that's why she was talking in a British accent. That's, that's <laughs> she was trying. <laughs> Look, all, you, all you Britney Spears sympathizers, can you explain the British accent to me? Yeah. Oh, I when didn't say did she happen? was sane. You know, when did this happen? When did she de- develop the British accent? Because last time yeah. I thought I heard her speak, she was she didn't have a British accent. This was she was battling like her father. Remember? No. Yeah, that was man. like a legal oh, yeah, dispute yeah. about. The conservatory or whatever yes, it was. Yes, him and, having like, yeah, yeah. the conservatory, that's conservatorship and all that kind of stuff. So I, that's the last time I heard her speak, I think. And I don't believe it was in a British accent, but the recent Wimbenyama controversy that she was involved in with her and the security detail for Wimby, there is a witness claiming that Britney Spears uh, multiple times uh, could be heard yelling in a British accent. One time <laughs> saying, this is effing America yeah. in a British accent. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I still don't get that. But she did release a statement. Okay. There has been a statement now after Wimby has made his statement. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll just read the last part. He's, she said, this, this story is super embarrassing to share with the world, but it's already out there. <laughs> However, I think it's important to share uh, this story and urge people in the public eye to set an example and treat all people with respect. Amen, Brittany. Physical violence is happening way too much in this world, often behind closed doors. I stand with all the victims, and my heart goes out to all of you. I have yet to get a public apology from the player. Oh! That's what it is. There it is. There it is. There it is. There it is. 
<laughs> I forgot. I, have yet, you I told you, it's yeah, coming. Uh, it's coming. Yes. I have yet to get a public <laughs> apology from the player, oh, his yeah. security, or their organization. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The security guard went and over to the table. I, I thought so, too. No, it needs to publicly. Yeah, it's got to be publicly. Oh, publicly. I hope they will, dot, dot, dot. Mm. I cherish the tremendous amount of love and support I am receiving at this moment. Thank you to the Las Vegas PD and the detectives for all their support. I know. Apparently, like, I ended up being a Britney hater and didn't even know it. Didn't they, realize they came it. Out against, lashed out against me yep. for being someone good. So she will. Okay. So I definitely was right. My theory, she will be at a Spurs game this upcoming for season sure. for on sure. the floor somewhere. And there Come will on, be a Mark picture Cuban. taken with Wimby. Mark right. Cuban, this is your chance, Mark. <laughs> this yep. is your chance, Mark yep. Cuban. Yep. You want this to turn to some petty, I do too. salacious I do too. NBA now that, controversy. Now that it's to this now, and she's waiting for that uh, she wants an apology. apology. She wants Publicly. an apology from the person. I'm going to go grab Britney Spears the way for my apology. <laughs> yeah. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> when no. I grab her from behind and go, Britney, Britney. That's why I say, I'll use is, an accent too. This make is, it work. This Come is, on. No, this is the whoever. Not going to grab her, by the way. No, no you can't. There's a. First off, she says she tapped him on the shoulder. She's 5'3. Did she jump up there? No, she definitely couldn't reach the show. She probably tipped on his like back. She said, I tapped him. I know the player said that I grabbed him. I tapped him okay, on so the shoulder. What the, Wimby says he was grabbed. Yep. She says yeah. she tapped. That's very different. Yep. Um, and to me, ultimately, the security people or whoever's around, I'm sure there's a publicist or somebody, a public yeah. relations person there. They should have tried to squash this on the spot. And should have gotten Wimby to go over and take a little picture. Yeah. And I think that I think honestly it has squashed it. You're like, it hey Wimby, go over there well, and just say you're sorry. I think, I think we've I think we found out we need Britney Spears to go over and get the picture taken because someone is getting recognized and somebody's not. That is awesome. Well, she true. did wait, wait, wait. She said Uh-oh. I get swarmed by people all the time. In yeah. fact, that night I was swarmed by a group of at least twenty fans. My security team didn't hit any of them. Well, I mean, 20 fans ain't a lot, really. That's what I'm saying. It'd be like a celebrity. It's not a touch to be swarmed by like 20 fans. It's like, oh, it's my like, God. It's like Vegas, man. Like, yeah. Anybody can be swarmed by 20 people. I mistakenly think I'm Michael B. Jordan. Like, yep. Five to 10 people looking at me crazy. They're going to keep staring at you for a minute. Um, yeah, they'll be like, who is that? They definitely should have had Wimby just go over there and say, hey, sorry, I didn't even know this happened. I'm a fan. Let's take a picture. And I think it would have been squashed. Now, now do, does, do the Spurs respond? That's the question I have for you, Patrick. Do the Spurs respond I, well, yeah, with I think anything? they will. I think they will because Blair I think apology. they'll just be like, hey, we're, we're so sorry. I don't think they'll say it outright and then she's going to get mad again because they'll say, we're sorry the incident happened or yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. We apologize for whatever happened that we don't agree happened that way. <laughs> yeah. And uh, But yeah. I think I, the Spurs are probably also like, hey, can we get a copy of that video? Like, we know there's got to be a video. Let's get a copy of it because if she grabs him and then walks into a hand. And if there's a police report now. Yeah, also, so, yeah. if it's one way, it's like, it, did he grab? They also want to know, it's like, if this dude's actually just going out and slapping people, yeah, they'll be like, be. yeah, you're fired. Yeah, yeah you're done. You dude. can't be slapping people. I don't no. care if it's Britney Spears. Anyway, if you yeah. just, if that's how you respond, then you're gone you anyway. Escalate the situation. So they, you, I mean, they you, have to do their yeah. internal investigation anyway, just because it's what you have, no, you have to do. Adam Silver's probably going to put a call in here. Like, hey guys, hey guys, so you, hey, I need y'all to, uh, you know, I need y'all to investigate quickly so we can wrap this thing up. Yeah. So, and I'll say this too, I bet for the Spurs, I bet their lawyers, because like I said, it's now could be a legal situation. Yeah, it definitely so I, will. I be. guarantee the lawyers are telling them, hey, you got to craft your statement very carefully. Can be admitting to anything here because we yeah. didn't do anything that kind of stuff too. So, yeah, I, it's it's crazy, but. <laughs> 
I love it. It's unbelievable. Well, how do we, how do we know? I, ha- I still am not going to public apology. Hey, Wimby, will w- w- Wimby come out and publicly apologize? I don't know the, the Spurs will tell him. The, the, Spurs, the, the, Spurs, the Spurs legal will go. He's smart enough. He knows. Yeah. Yeah. That they'll go, hey, just, just so you know, like this is how you can answer it, but don't just put it into, don't say you're sorry for her getting hit because yeah. you didn't see her get hit. Yeah. So you're you're putting them in you're you're basically giving them a civil case against us for something you didn't see. Right. Yeah, you make make yourself a witness when you didn't even see yes. anything for the other side. Yeah. Oh man, this is great. I'm so happy for Spurs. Man. Good for y'all. Wimby's been in just a little while. You guys are already involved in a all my man Spears wanted was breakfast tacos. All yeah, he wanted was some breakfast tacos. We're only in the five o'clock hour. I love it. Man, Pop is, yeah. you know Pop is somewhere just shaking his head. He's like, you got to yeah. be effing kidding me. He's like, dude, you, I'm just trying to get you to, to, to the game. <laughs> I'm just trying, I'm just trying to, to get you to the we're, game. We're never going to Vegas again. Yeah. But I got to tell you, okay, in, in that summer league game, he's going to debut tomorrow versus Charlotte. That's on NBA TV. How do you? No, I, I think it's the, on ESPN. I think it'll be on ESPN. Okay, on ESPN. I was gonna say how do the masses can see it because I it, yeah, it, it is, actually I it's gonna it's, be on ESPN tomorrow night at eight o'clock. Okay, I was say NBA seven stupid. o'clock. I believe. Oh, okay. I think it's eight o'clock Eastern. Okay, that'd be stupid for not getting that on TV, man. Because right now people people now who have no my wife is gonna ask me about Wimby when I get home again. Oh, for like, sure. Hey, what's up with this Wimby guy? Why did he slap Britney Spears? Like he did not slap Britney Spears. It was the security detail, and then we'll probably end up watching Wimby tomorrow night. No, it is APM. You're right. It is yeah. APM. The yeah. ratings are going to be through the roof. Oh, yeah. for sure. Joke number two, the pimp slap heard round the rail. No, you're right. That The slap heard round the rail was the Chris Rock getting slapped by Will Smith. Yes. This, you're right, the backhanded. We got to see the video. That, that's I, what I I'm do. waiting for. I know. I want to see the video, too. I also, how, many, how much Britney Spears do you think is on your wife's phone? Uh, she's definitely got some Britney on that on that phone. Probably, probably five, probably five to ten songs. come home and be like, oh, she doesn't have no talent? She got no songs? <laughs> yeah. I didn't say, okay, you know what? I'm, be, I'm digging myself deeper. Apparently, I did not realize that yeah, the Britney, trouble, yeah, the Britney fandom was so strong. And I, uh, I apologize, y'all. My bad. Yeah. All right, let's, uh, let's get into some uh, Texas football conversation. We have some sound and audio from Sark. We don't get to all of it here. We'll finish it up in Raj Rant of the Day coming up next segment. All right, gentlemen, the uh, Big 12 preseason uh, media poll has been released and the Longhorns have been picked by the Big 12 media to finish first in the Big 12. 41 first-place votes. Uh, Kansas State finishes second among this voting uh, with 14 first-place votes. Then Oklahoma third with four first-place votes. Uh, Texas Tech is fourth. They also have four first-place votes. TCU with three first-place votes. They're fifth. Uh, Baylor sixth. Oklahoma State, they have, actually have one first-place vote. They're seventh. UCF, eight. Kansas at nine. Iowa State, 10. BYU, 11. Uh, U of H, 12. Cincinnati at 13. And West Virginia picked to finish last, 14, in the uh, new-look Big 12, at least for the one year before Texas and Oklahoma exit to go to the SEC. Uh, this is one of the first years, uh, probably in the last 13, since 2010, um, since the well, yeah, since that 2009 season, since 2010, where Texas actually this off season, the the, the expectations of Texas fans mm-hmm. are as high, if not higher, than the standard of Texas football. And what I mean by that is, I always say, don't let your expectations affect the standard of Texas football. And I asked this question early in the show: In the last 13 years, when has the University of Texas football team? met the expectation of Texas football fans, and then lived up to the standard of the Texas football brand once in the last, yeah, exactly, once in the last 13 years. That's it. 
that four different coaches and only one of them has been able to have Texas meet expectations of the fans and live up to the standard of the brand, which is usually double-digit wins and competing for a title of some sort. Yeah. And to me, that's why this is a really significant moment in year for the program and for Sark, not only because you're going to the SEC next season. So if you want your fans to have faith and to have trust and belief that this program can go win the toughest conference uh, in football in the history of college football in the SEC, you got to be able to compete for a championship in the Big 12, especially in your last year. Because the truth is, and we all know it, that Texas has grossly underachieved during their tenure here in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that Oklahoma has won twice as many football championships as, as Texas has competed for in the Big 12 says a lot. Yeah. And that's why, yeah, it's a, big, it, it's a huge year, but that's why we haven't really been here recently. I think 2009 was the last year where Texas, the expectations of the fans was also as high, if not higher, than the standard of the Texas football brand. And we're here again. Yep. And hopefully Sark can uh, live up to those expectations. Yeah, we were talking about this this morning with a, a friend group of mine because a lot of them went to different schools that are now in our conference, now in the Big 12 conference. And they said best bets or bestodds.com. One of the best college football bets to make over the last 13 years is the under on Texas's win total. Since 2010, Going back to what you were talking about earlier today, Rob, Texas has gone under its preseason win total in 12 of its 13 seasons. Mm-hmm. 2018 was the only year that they overachieved uh, or met the standard, as you were talking about. They met the standard. So you sit here and you look at this team and you go, what's the number, nine and a half? Is that what we had it at? I think that's what the I think Vegas number. had it at that. Now yeah. I think it's it's rising, actually. And, I haven't seen it. Yet. And we all said, we're going over that. We're going over the nine and a half. You should. But again, we have had PTSD, as some of the people kept saying. They're like, not again. Not again. This is where the disappointment begins. The standard is pre-scholarship limits in 1970. But you <laughs> sit there and you look at it and you say, all right, what's what's next for the University of Texas? This year is the year that I've been the most bullish over the last few years. And I told you guys before, I've been to Vegas to place those bets. Mm-hmm. I've been out there drinking that Kool-Aid and sipping on it. And as my, my, my man Rod always tell me, you've been drinking Flavor Aid. I don't want to drink Flavor Aid no more. I want the man to run through the wall and say, hey, Kool-Aid. I want that <laughs> one running through the wall. So I'm looking at this Texas team. I'm believing in it. I know that everybody voted in the Big 12, and they say that Texas is the answer. Texas needs to go out and perform now. And you also said it, and I couldn't agree more, all that's going to happen has never been against talent. It's always been uh, what's on the sideline and what those coaches are doing on the sideline. Uh, yeah, everybody's excited about the talent, but I, I'll warn Lohan fans, talent has never been the issue for Texas. Right. You've always right. had arguably the most talented team in the Big 12 or top three most talented team in the Big 12. When Baylor wins the Big 12 or K-State wins the Big 12 or Oklahoma State wins the Big 12, they don't have the most talented team in the Big 12. Right. Never did. That, that, that doesn't even cross their mind that we're the most talented team in the Big 12 and that's why we're going to win it. No, that's not why they're going to win the Big 12. Mm-mm. When they win the Big 12, is because they got better culture, 
They got better coaching and better talent development than Texas. And the hope is this year that Texas will be able to match the talent development and will be able to match the culture. Talent has never been the issue. Everybody's excited about talent level at Texas, that it's, oh, it's higher than it's been a long time. It's always pretty damn high. Like it's mm-hmm. like I, don't, it I, want, I know everybody. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know when the talent level dropped off a cliff here at Texas, but guys, it didn't. It just wasn't being developed. It wasn't being coached, and it wasn't being, um, in my opinion, it wasn't being maximized in a constructive, positive culture, football culture. Mm-hmm. Sark has checked the box on the culture. I really like the culture uh, Texas has right now because guys don't want to leave Texas via the transfer portal. They want to be at Texas, uh, and they're excited about the program. As a matter of fact, we'll hear some, hear some sound from Sark, who's talking about how excited the guys are, and it's a player-led team this year. Also, the you know the, the talent level, he's recruiting really well, but Texas always recruits really well. Um, but also the development. Guys got better last season. Mm-hmm. Only one position group that I think regressed last season in terms of development, and honestly, it was probably wide receiver. And how much of that was due to Xavier Worthy being yep. injured and yep. um, you know a young quarterback like Quinn Ewers not having a lot of experience and passing game being out of sync, all those types of things. So I think Texas checks the box this year. Of course, with talent, of course, with culture, and of course, with development. Um, I'm giving Sark a lot of credit because I think the development will stay on track. But they're going to lose games this year. It will be because of coaching. And I think it's going to go right back to Sark. I think yeah. Sark has to learn how to win the chess match within the game, which he has not. Now, some people say, well, last year they were tipping plays. And whose problem is that? <laughs> that's I mean, right. That, right. that's a – Coach's problem. That is that was Sark's issue. Sark, you you got to correct that. That's part of self scouting. So either you figured that out too late, or mm-hmm. did, or you allowed that uh, to become one of the reasons that you lost five games, and they were all one possession games. So yeah, maybe if you'd have corrected that sooner or re- rectified that earlier, you'd have won one or two more games. But it, listen, the Oklahoma State game, the TCU game, Washington game. I mean, those are all – even the Texas Tech game. Those are all games that I think Texas could have gotten a schematic coaching advantage, and they did not get one. And that's not the reason they lost, but it definitely could have helped them win if they had gotten a schematic coaching advantage. And they just didn't in those games. They yeah. didn't. You got Joey McGuire. Hey, man, he, he was a riverboat gambler in that Tech game, yep. and he outcoached you. It's okay. Maybe he did. Everybody knows that. Got outcoached in that game. Yep. It was, a good, it was a good game plan by Tech. Nobody they saw it go coming. go for it like every single time on fourth. I think they set like a record <laughs> yeah. for going for it in the game. <laughs> yeah. Give it up. But my point is, Sark recognized that too late. Sometimes mm-hmm. you can't play the hand. you got to play the man. Yep. All right? It's they saying poker. And I think at that time, Sark should have been playing the man and realized, this guy's going to go for it on fourth down all the time. i got to match his intensity. Mm-hmm. i got to match uh, you know, his energy. And I don't think he did that. Oklahoma State game, we all saw that, right? Uh, a, a one-handed receiver and a one-handed quarterback with 14 overthrows, the most in the last 10 years in any college football game. Found out later, both of them had injuries, and Oklahoma State was on their way down. Yeah. And that was their last breath of fight before they decided to hang it up, and they went on a spiral for the rest of the season. Mm. They shouldn't mm. have beat Texas. No. But Texas beat themselves in that Texas, game. Texas, yes. That was a Sark game, right? He was obsessed with the deep ball, obsessed with, you know, giving Quinn Ewers and X-Man, making sure that they were the featured uh, duo in the passing game, and I think came back to bite them. TCU, need I say more? Bijan had 12 touches. Need I say more? Mm. You be, you had a game plan? You had a game plan <laughs> where the best player potentially on the field on either side in the biggest game of the year for you, and your best player on either side of the ball touched it 12 times, zero targets. Right. And mistakes. 
and you think it was you tipping plays that lost the game. <laughs> that that's not why you lost the game. Um, Washington game. Uh, no creativity in the run game, right? That was the most boring, lackluster run game. You basically was in missionary position for the whole run game. You didn't hey, switch now. it up at all. Nope. All right, got to get a little spice in there. Nothing. No two tailback sets. No six o line package. You needed more empty package. That was a lack of creativity. That was an arrogant game plan. You lost that game because you mm-hmm. were arrogant. You thought no B. Jenner Rojo, we're fine. Yeah. No, we you got not. this. You don't got this. Yeah. So this is my point. It, Sark right now, he's learned to win the chess match within the game. He's great at preparation. He's great at game planning. He's amazing at those things. But that can only last you like a quarter and a half. And after that, you got two and a half more quarters to play. And that's where Sark is being outcoached. So he's got to learn to play, play better chess. And right now, he's an amateur chess player. He's like yep. minor, intermediate. He needs to become a grand master in the chess match within the game, and he's not that right now. If he does become a grandmaster, Texas will win the Big 12. And that is why I believe that he is in the best position that he's ever been in as a head coach as far as the players, the staff, the people that are going to be relaying the information during this time. I think he's in the best place he can possibly be, and I think that we are going to be in shock about what we've seen from this team this year and the play calling. Because we've all talked about it. The scheming and everything has been great in the first half. In the first it's half. It's all about the second half. Yep, totally agree. All right, we'll hear more from Sark and Raj around today. He went on the Always College Football podcast with Greg McElroy. We'll hear the audio from Steve Sarkeesian on the other side. Right here on Ball Don't Lie, one of four, now on the horn. Chronic migraine is 15 or more headache days a month, each lasting four hours or more. Botox, onabotulinum toxin A, prevents headaches in adults with chronic migraine. It's not for adults with migraine with 14 or fewer headache days a month. It prevents, on average, 8 to 9 headache days a month versus 6 to 7 for placebo. Prescription Botox is injected by your doctor. Effects of Botox may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness can be signs of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Side effects may include allergic reactions, neck and injection site pain, fatigue, and headache. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Don't receive Botox if there's a skin infection. Tell your doctor your medical history, muscle or nerve conditions, including ALS Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome, and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. Ask your doctor and visit BotoxChronicMigraine.com or call 1-800-44-BOTOX to learn more. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real! My God! Okay, it's happening! Everybody stay calm! Oh, well, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butt. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104 Now on the Horn. Been trying to get to this Sark audio uh, for a while, so we'll get to that here. He was on Always College Football, the podcast with Greg McElroy, and he was asked about a number of different things. The first topic was about the losses from last season, all of them by one score, um, and he was asked about uh, the growth from those losses. Here's Steve Sarkeesian. I think so. You know, like I, I looked at, you know, two years ago, we couldn't find a way to win any of those games. And we yeah. were all our, all our losses the year before were tough, heartbreaking losses. Last year, um, definitely some, some tough losses when you think about Oklahoma State or the Texas, Texas Tech, Tech game. Like yeah. games, games really, we really felt like walking out of there, we just gave one away. But I also looked to last year, I looked to 
you know, going into Kansas State and winning that game in a tight ball game in the fourth quarter. I look to the Baylor game at the end of the year when we were behind in the fourth quarter um, and then and then kind of take over that game and, and go win it in the fourth quarter. So I see the progress. Uh, obviously, we're not a finished product yet, um, but I definitely see the progress. And, and I'm kind of proud of the mental makeup of our guys because they showed a lot of resolve throughout the season. And, and yeah. to me, that all came to fruition in that Baylor game in the end, because, you know, in our minds, we were playing to get into the Big 12 championship game. You know, we didn't know what was going to happen the next day. We had to win that game to give ourselves a chance and to go into a game down in the fourth quarter. Um, and then to come back and find a way to win it, that that, that was really encouraging for me. Um, and he was also asked, since you know you're coming off of a season where you had five losses, you know what did you need to improve on? What boxes did you need to check this off season? Um, here is Steve Sarkeesian. Um, I think inevitably for us, you know, I think a couple things. Offensively, we've got to be a more balanced attack than we were mm-hmm. a year ago. Um, you know, we were a, a very good running football team. Clearly, when you have a, you know, a Bijan Robinson and a Roshan Johnson, um, we had a lot of youth on the offensive line, and, and quite frankly, we had youth at the quarterback position. And I didn't love the depth at wide receiver, so we did a lot to try to address, you know, the, kind of the the depth chart that way. And then you have to put in the time. You know, our offense is better when we can run the ball. We can throw the RPOs the way that we do. We can play action pass and take those shots and connect on those things down the field and then try to create space for our players uh, on that side of the ball. And I think that, that you know, we felt really good about that coming out of spring. We, we continue to work on it here this summer um, because if, for us to be the team that we want to be late in the season, we're going to need that balanced attack and we're going to need to make sure that, that we're uh, dangerous through the passing game. Uh, defensively, you know, we just keep harping on. We want to be able to play tighter coverage um, so that we can not just affect the quarterback, but now, you know, create more sacks and create more negative plays. Um, you know, I think we were one of the, the country's leaders last year in pressures on the quarterback. If not, we might have we might have led the country, but our sack numbers weren't where they needed to be. So yeah. hopefully with tighter coverage, um, we, we can we can get the quarterback on the ground a little bit more, maybe create some more turnovers uh, and create more short fields. Uh, yeah, he's been talking about that for a long time, too, playing tighter coverage. Remember last year, they were top 10 in pressures in college football, but out of the top 10 teams with the most pressures, they had the second fewest sacks behind North Carolina State. So they want to convert more of those pressures into sacks. Uh, the quarterback play, of course, is going to have a, uh, a, it's going to play a big factor in determining Texas success this year. Here's Sark talking about that quarterback room that's one of the best in the country. Yeah, I'm really fired up about that room. Um, I, I think, you know, the, collectively we are a very talented group, um, a group that works really hard and, and works really well together. You know, Greg, you've been in enough quarterback rooms. You know when that room's good, when guys are engaging with one another, having fun with one another, they've got good rapport, uh, they're competing, but yet they're doing it in a way where they're they're trying to, you know, get better individually, um, but also supporting the other guy and knowing the things that he's working on. So we have that. Quinn has had a great kind of just offseason. And in my opinion, it really started in December and in, in prepping for the bowl game. I thought he prepared really well. He played really well in the bowl game. We didn't play great around him. Um, and then that continued into winter conditioning and spring ball. And he's, he's been fantastic in the summer. He looks great. He's in the best shape of his life. Then there's Malik Murphy, a guy who just hasn't been able to stay healthy for us, but very talented, um, great leadership ability, has a unique arm talent to, to throw it all over the field. Um, and he's going into year two in the system. And then you put Arch in there who, you know, I, I felt like I needed to remind everybody like on our <laughs> spring game, 
the guy should have been at like the the senior like car wash, right? Raising money for prom or something. Like he was should still should have still been in high school uh at that game. And so uh it was invaluable experience for him to be with us um and to kind of get a lot of that newness out. Um, hey, he's a normal guy with us and he's a normal guy for himself and in and around the building. But for everybody else, when you carry the name, it comes with those expectations. So I think for him to try to realize how to balance those types of things, um, in the end, he's on the, he's on a great trajectory for us. He's going to be a really good player for the University of Texas, a great leader. Um, so I, I do. I, I really love where, where that room is at right now. I love it, too. I'm sure by now, Hard, you've seen the shirtless photo of the quarterback oh, yeah. room. Oh, yeah. And basically Malik Murphy making everybody in the quarterback room look like a teenager compared to him. Exactly. Look like somebody daddy. He look man, he looks he looks like a defensive end. Yeah. He looks like he he doesn't play quarterback. It looks like he plays some other position out there. It is just freaky how uh physically imposing. Yes. Uh, my man brought Malik Murphy is. Uh but speaking of quarterbacks, uh Quinn's growth also was a topic of conversation between Greg McElroy and Steve Sarkeesian. I like this cut. Talks about something I know Harge has uh been a real they've been critical, I should say, of Quinn on his footwork and the subtle nuances of playing the quarterback position. Here's Sark talking about Quinn's growth. Well, I think I think two things. One two things. One Quinn is really coachable and he's always been very coachable from the day he got here. And so that that's helpful when, when you don't get that resistance. Uh, I think too, Quinn's ultra competitive, like every great quarterback and he wants to be the best player he can be sometimes early on, you know, in, in my mind, he was a freshman last year, basically. Yeah. He, like, I graduated high school early, uh, but did it too late and kind of it was an awkward situation at Ohio State. Inevitably, there was a big learning curve for him, um, you know, just about the game, the speed of the game, the nuances of our offense. And sometimes when you don't know all the nuances and you don't have all the answers, that can make you feel a little less urgent because your brain is trying to work. And so your body's trying to slow down to keep up with the brain. I think that his, his understanding of what we're trying to do and why we're doing what we're doing has allowed him to play more urgent. And I, and I do agree with you. I do think that the details, right. And the minutiae of the position is something that he sees value in now. And he's really putting in the time to, uh, to, to make it all come together. Details like footwork. Hopefully that's one of the details he's talking mm-hmm. about, too. Uh, but everybody's excited. and Everybody believes Quinn's going to have a big year, mostly because of the weaponry around him um, with X-Man, J.T. Sanders, A.D. Mitchell, uh, Jay Witt. You just gave me an article. Harris Pro Football Focus said Texas has the second best wide receiving core in the nation. Behind, behind all, Ohio State. Exactly, which is wide receiver <laughs> you. Yep. Here is Sark talking about those pass catchers for Quinn Ewers. Like I said, you know, when like I said, we looked at, where we were at at the end of last season. I wanted to look at our passing game from kind of a 360-degree view, right, of whether it was schematics, whether it was the way we were teaching the passing game, um, what we were calling in-game compared to what we were practicing, and then the personnel that was trying to operate those plays. And um, we felt like we needed to upgrade there, um, and I credit our, our recruiting staff and our, and our coaching staff for the job they did. Um, to, again, go recruit those three kids out of high school, I think are great young players. I think the addition of A.D. Mitchell has been very helpful. But I also think there's a when – you, when you challenge competitors, they rise to the occasion. 
And what I've seen out of Xavier Worthy has been phenomenal this offseason. He's the most engaged I've seen him, seen him be since he's been here, and he's been really good for the first two years. Jordan Whittington's leadership, he's kind of assumed almost that Roshan Johnson role yeah. on our team, which, which has been great. And getting Isaiah Nair back, this guy was a projected starter for us a year ago coming from Wyoming, gets injured, misses the year, and he's kind of been forgotten. Um, so that that room is really solid. And then I think JT Sanders is just a budding star. You know, he, yeah. he really was a fantastic player for us a year ago. Uh, and I think we're only going to see more from him uh, in that in that type of play, um, which for a quarterback, that puts you at ease too, right? <laughs> that you're, you know, who's where, what. He knows he's got capable people to uh, to catch the ball and go make plays for him. Yeah, actually, Greg McElroy was asking about JT Sanders, and he said, Sark, I know you, and I know how you weaponize players, and I'm not even going to ask about JT Sanders because I know you're already giddy about him. I'm not joking. That's what he said in the interview. I'm yeah. paraphrasing. So everybody understands JT Sanders is about to be a game changer for Texas. But what about defense? Uh, Sark was asked about the defensive side of ball, and he gave a lot of props to continuity. Here's Steve Sarkisian. Yeah, I think I think a couple things. One, you know, one thing that's been helpful for us on the defensive side of the ball is staff continuity. Yeah. You know, having having our entire defensive staff back now together for a third consecutive year, I think their rapport uh, is is critical. You know, those guys all came here. I hired them all almost like hire guns from different spots <laughs> and never really worked together, you know, and then we had to make it. OK, how do we get everybody on the same page? So I think that part's been helpful. Um, and then the, the the veteran players, you know, obviously Jalen Ford is a great player at linebacker. Yeah. Uh, I love, you know, the fact that we have Byron Murphy, we have Trevondre Sweat, we have Alfred Collins. Um, we have some, you know, we have the kind of the, that nucleus of guys back. Uh, we have Baron Sorrell back who had a really good sophomore season for us. And they get five and a half sacks as a sophomore. And then the addition of Trill Carter, kind of a veteran presence from, right. from Minnesota and the emergence of some young players, you know, whether it's a, an Anthony Hill, uh, a, a guy like that, who we think can come in and, and have an impact. And then in the secondary, you know, Jada and Baron was kind of an unsung hero for us last year at, at the star position. He made a lot of impactful plays, a really instinct, instinctual player. Um, Ryan Watts, a year ago was a transfer from Ohio State, played all year for us at Boundary Corner, was really good. Um, you know, Jalen Catalan coming in, um, like you said, when he's healthy, he's a, you know, he was an all SEC player and he's in, he's in great shape. We're, we're fired up to have him. The addition of Gavin Holmes from Wake Forest, who was a two year starter there. So, you know, we don't live in the portal, uh, but the guys that we have gone to get, I think are going to be impactful players to go along with a lot of, a lot of young players that we have high hopes for. Derek Williams, uh, Malik Muhammad. There's some pretty good young players that I think are, are going to help us this fall. All right, and the last cut is uh, Sark telling the story about the SEC schedule release, and it's kind of another example of him having a player-led team this year. Here's Sark talking about staying focused on this season, not the future. You know, I really feel like our team's on a mission. Our team, like we, we've 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 been building for this um, to 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 win a Big Twelve championship. I felt like. You know that they will all tell you that that we missed an opportunity a year ago to not play for the Big 12 championship game because of our own undoing. You know we made yeah. we made some mistakes in a couple of games that cost us an opportunity to be in that game. Uh, and these guys have been on a mission all fall or all winter, all spring. Uh, and what was interesting, we were in a team meeting, and I was referencing that hey, just so you guys are aware, they're going to release the SEC schedule tonight. 
these guys wanted to put out our 2023 schedule to remind everybody who we were playing <laughs> this year. Uh, and so it, it didn't take much. I mean, we've got great leadership on this team. We've got guys that, you know, really the full allotment of our team now are players that I inherited that have now been with us for three years and have completely bought into who we are and what we're doing or their kids that we recruited that believed in what we were doing. And that's why they came here. So we, we really have a locker room full of guys that are believing in, 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 in what we believe uh, and have really good leadership and are putting forth uh, the necessary effort and means to, 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 to try to be a champion. And that's, that's why they came here. And, and hopefully we're giving them the platform and the tools to go do that. I love that story hard that the, the guys wanted to uh, put out the 2020 2023 schedule, excuse me, and not the 2024 schedule because uh, they're focused on the here and now. I that's, like that. That's what it's supposed to be about, and that's the beautiful part about what he said. It puts it all in perspective. It's the perspective in which this team is focusing on. We've heard it from uh, Jay Witt about how he hadn't won a Big 12 championship. He hadn't even played in the game. He's no. trying to get to the that. The last Christian Jones, I believe, played for a Big 12 title. He's on that 2018 team. Because he's it. been here for 18 he's years. He's been here for a long time. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I think, I think right now the thought experiment that yep. Longhorn fans are having right now, and I totally understand it because what was the last time Texas was picked to win the Big 12 like this? Anybody remember? No. I don't remember. 2009. I believe it's the last time they picked Texas to win it. Maybe it was 2010. Maybe it was like right around there. But it, it was a, mm-hmm. it's been a long time. Texas has not been necessarily picked to win the conference in a long, long time. Um, so, yeah. Yep, it's that time. It is that time. It's time. Um, so, like I said, everybody's going to drink the Kool-Aid right now. But for Longhorn fans who are reluctant to trust, they're caught that cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Maybe some of y'all are cautiously pessimistic. But – what could deter the season? That's the thought experiment, right? What could derail the season? Um, what could derail these guys from actually accomplishing their goals? And yeah. there's not a lot of ways it could derail, but there are a few. There are a few. Yeah, there's a couple. And that's kind of, I think, the what Longhorn fans are going to be running through their mind until the season starts. Like, how could it go wrong? Like, what, what could happen? Where are we at? Okay, what and is this option? Yeah, Where, yeah. that little thought. I'm so, with you. Yeah, uh, so why wouldn't they win the Big 12 is really the question. Why wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. Everything points to Texas winning the Big 12, and that's why all the media are voting them to uh, finish first. All right, uh, that's some uh, Sark sound from Always College Football. We'll come back. We'll get into a little baseball. The Astros closing the gap on the Rangers. Uh, we'll uh, talk about that on the other side, right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful nine the Horn. Back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104. Now I'm the horn. New theme Thursday. That's when the idealionaire Patrick Davis takes songs that are supposed to uh, provide Harge and I with clues and hints as to what the new theme of the day is. And today it's International Kissing Day. So I'm in Patrick playing songs that reference or talk about smooching and kissing uh, like the one you're listening to right now. So a uh, shout out to my man Patrick. Always keeping us on our toes for a new theme Thursday and all the musically themed days of the week. We appreciate him and appreciate you. Specs text line 512-337-3776. 
Uh, let's talk some baseball, gentlemen. Um, Rangers lost uh, to the Red Sox uh, yesterday, yep. four to two. Astros got them a win. Um, Astros actually have won seven of their last eight games, so the Astros are closing the gap a little bit right now. Only two games behind the Rangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Rangers, and I, I love the stat about the Rangers, and it does show you why this, they've slowed down. They're not struggling or anything like that, uh, but the Rangers have just slowed down. They were so hot to start the season, I think it was inevitable that they cooled just a little bit, maybe regress uh, to the mean, and they may just be tired right before the All-Star break, too, considering the start. But the Rangers, at this point in the season, uh, they're first in hits with 830, first in RBIs with 490, and they're second in OPS. Um, and how about this? You go look at it last season in those same categories at this point in the season, they were 16th in hits. Uh, they were 12th in RBIs and 16th in OPS. Also team R- team ERA. They're eighth right now. Um, they were 20th this time last year. So you're talking about a hell of a transformation for this Rangers team. Now that talent they were paying big bucks for, as you brought up, Harge, uh, now they're starting to play some uh, really good baseball. And one of the things that, one of the reasons they've slowed down just a little bit, their batting average with runners in scoring position, how about this, first 54 games, it was 335 as a team, hitting 335 with runners in scoring position. Now they're down to 246. Yeah, it changes a lot. I mean, people are starting to understand who the Texas Rangers are, pitching them a little bit differently. Some of the guys are getting out of their, their uh, getting out of character at the plate and chasing mm-hmm. pitches that they normally would. And, and there's been a lot of games that are being played. And other teams started off slow. Now they're starting to even out a little bit. The Rangers started out fast, continue to play fast. Look at what Tampa was doing. They were mm-hmm. they were came out the blocks. One yeah. of the hottest teams in baseball. They they have a five. Uh, game lead on the Baltimore Orioles. So it they're going to have a chance to regroup, especially once the All-Star break gets here. It's right around the corner. They should be able to reset their 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 approach at the plate. And then they have to go back to the basics again. They have to like you said, they have to start driving back in runs when they have guys in running I mean in scoring position. Not only that, they also have to get two out-base hits. Mm. They haven't been doing that either. When before they were doing that all the time. Clutch hitting. Yeah. yeah. So it was it, it was a big part of the success. The bigger story, though, that I'll continue to talk about is the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves are continuing to put pressure on people, and, and they've been playing really good baseball. They're up to plus uh, 147 in the run differential, and they still are missing guys on the mound, too, but their offense – their mm. offense. If we were not talking about Shohei Otani as much as we are for what he's been able to do, both offensively and defensively, we would be talking about Ronald Acuna Jr. I don't understand why we're right. you know like people aren't really giving him the the satisfaction and the love that Respect, he deserves yeah. because he is putting up unbelievable numbers and it happens every night. He's a show. You're He's right. a show every single time. I don't know why it hasn't been a big. I think I think you're right. It's a Shohei thing. Yeah, it it's is. Shohei's such a big story that we just haven't had a chance to really give him his props. Yeah, because yeah. you're right. I don't know why that's the case. Uh, a couple of notes. Uh, Astros said that Jose Altuve has yep. a mild strain in his oblique, oblique. Yeah. so it is only, but it's mild. They said best case scenario, they put him on the ten day DL. Yep. But he is so he's out once again, but it is not anything more major. So we'll get that. And then uh, when we talk about the Rangers getting the rest, there's a problem with that. 
They all made the All-Star team. So That's no rest true. for the Rangers. <laughs> that is true. Hey, yeah, they right. all made y'all the All-Star team. Y'all so damn team. good. <laughs> a lot of y'all made the All-Star team. Yeah. That's a great point there by Patrick. Yes, yeah, so uh, the Rangers, I, I think the Rangers, I think they need the, the All-Star break a little bit too. They yeah. haven't been here in a while. Like this, this roster. Yeah. They haven't been there leading the division. I think they're, they're a little bit mentally drained too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, to just reset. get it right back on track. You know, I <laughs> – it is it is especially disheartening for them to have the Astros kind of creep back up on them right here at the Has end. To be. But I think that's going to help them reset their brain and go, "Hey man, it's not like they're catching like we just slow we slowed down." They did. They didn't speed up, we slowed down. We just got to go back to our regular pace and we'll be fine. So, I, I think that's where the Rangers are going to be. And honestly, if you're a Rangers fan, it's a good thing because it probably means they're more likely to spend more to get to get a big addition, yeah. I agree with that. Because mm-hmm. if you have a ten-game lead, you yeah. may let it slide and not go 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 hard after you know a Max Scherzer mm-hmm. or try and maybe put your name in the hat for an Otani or yeah. go after one of those guys. You may not go that if you got ten games. That's fair. You be That's too complacent. True. Yeah, you say you say, hey man, well you know what we we're good enough. We just need to make the playoffs this year, next year. But now you go. Man, we're not even going to win the division. <laughs> right. That's a yeah. You're right. That's a yep. great point too. Did, I, you, did you see Kyle Tucker take a shot at him? Oh yeah. No. Kyle Tucker oh, yeah. came out and said, you know, sometimes you just got to remind the little brother who's big brother in Texas. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that shot after the, that the series. That is a shot. I didn't hear that. He said, he, oh, yeah. He Basically, said, it, it, it little brother? Yeah, yeah, he yes. did say little brother. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. don't like that. Rangers don't like that. Aggies don't like that. And Texans don't like that. No, they don't. <laughs> Even though it might be I, true. But make it a rivalry, guys. I want, I, this has never all really been a rivalry. Yeah, we need all the Because the two teams haven't been good since we've been in the same division. So I'm all for making it a rivalry. I'm with you. I like that too, man. Uh, so there you go. A little Rangers discussion um, and the Astros trying to close that gap before the All-Star break. Alright, we come back. We'll take a break. We got NBA free agency discussion coming up next. Update on the Wimby, Britney Spears, <laughs> Vegas controversy. We'll give you that. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn.